Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and the master control of this program, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Andy, I just watched Tron. So, (laughs) all things considered, I am as good as I can be, considering that I just watched Tron. And, um... I am very grateful that we have our guest star with us today. Yeah, we have a returning champion here for Tron from 1982. Uh, Hey, guys. Give us us an intro for our our special guest star. We've got Brett Nithamer (laughs) with us. Uh, Brett, you're a third-time returning champion. This is the third one (laughs) you've done with us. Third time is Um, the charm, as you know. And if you want to, if you want to seek out more Brett, you can find Brett on the Holy Goof, where he where he reviews movies uh, in a feature called Brettflix. Uh, and we're very proud of Brett because he recently became a special education teacher for grades three Yay! through five. So congratulations! <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank um, you, Brett. We need yes. you for this. Can you help <laughs> us get through this? I think so. I, I hope so. I'm going to confess something to the listener right now. I have never done this before, but I have the Wikipedia page open for the plot of Tron. And I got to tell you, it does not resemble what I just saw, but I'm going to trust that they understood this on a level that I did not. Ah, Well, let's let's jump in here with some key facts about Tron. Please, right in the deep end, Andy. (laughs) Okay, so in 1976, uh, director and screenwriter... Steven Lisberger found himself really intrigued with the video game Pong. Now, if you've ever played Pong, it's sort of a 2D table tennis game. You'll know just how far video games have come in the past half century. Uh, The creator, Atari, went into a joint venture with Sears. Do you remember that retailer, Sears? Yes. uh, To release a home version of Pong in 1975 for the Christmas season. So, people used to gather in living rooms to watch each other play this game. And there were Pong tournaments. It was kind of a thing. It was kind of like, uh, it was a thing. So, I think it's important to keep this delight of Pong in mind when we consider the wow factor that is Tron for 1982. I want to just piggyback on this. The problem with this movie is not the effects. I think visually, there's a lot of really interesting things up on that screen. Yes, especially by Atari slash Commodore 64 slash like old school IBM computer graphic things. But I I was still I was still taken aback by a lot of the visuals that I saw there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Stunning. So the the original script was entitled Lightning for Jennings Lang. And what? it wait yes, lightning for Jennings Lang, and it Who's envisioned Jennings a more. Well, that's a great question, right? Uh, but it envisioned a more comedic Flynn. Uh, actually, mm. considered casting an up-and-coming stand-up comic who thirty years old named Robin Williams to be cast Whoa. in that role. What? Um, right. Wow. <laughs> so, but after several iterations, Disney decided they wanted a movie that was more thematic. And maybe ask some deeper philosophical and moral questions. And they chose Jeff Bridges, who was more of a more known commodity to cat as a cast member instead. Okay, so and I they was wanted, gonna. Com- uh, they wanted something to compete with Star Wars. 
Yeah. Sure. I think that <laughs> I that's, gonna I think that's I the number g- one reason. <laughs> For sure. I was going to complain that the title Tron is not particularly evocative, but it is a million percent better than Lightning for Jennings Lang as a title. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I can't imagine us talking. So, guys, our movie this week, Lightning for Jennings Lang. No, no. Okay, back to you, Andy. So, so even though this movie grossed, it grossed $50 million worldwide, had $70 million in merchandise sales, including video wow. games, the film was really disappointing in sales to the top brass at Disney because guess what? As you said, Brett, they were competing with the Star Wars franchise. So we've had Star Wars and Empire at that point. Um, The top movie critics at the time were really mixed on Tron. Uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel both gave the movie four out of four stars and two thumbs up, comparing the movie to Star Wars or Empire. Uh, Siskel said, quote, it's a dazzler that opens up our minds to new tools, all in a traditional film narrative. However, there were critics from Variety and the New York Times that really questioned the plot uh, and considered (coughs) that the animation was something that didn't really drive the plot. Fair critique. (laughs) Okay, so in reading these movie critics, I really see them more interested in the potential of animation. And then there were those who kind of saw this as a cheapened form of animation mm. uh, because it wasn't hand-drawn. It didn't have the art artisanry that was expected of Disney films. So there's kind of some discussion about that if you want to take a deeper dive. Um, but there was a general theme from the critics who did not, who panned this, is that it was something that sacrificed story for spectacle. All right, I'm going to stand up for the movie here. It's it's a rare moment for me. This feels like a you kids in your rock and roll uh, sort of argument. Like, yes. it's, <laughs> yeah, you might not like the animation style. I, I think you're wrong to not like it because it's bold and innovative and trying something new. And... Yes, and 100%. art always needs to do that. Animation mm-hmm. always needs to do that. Uh, if when, when you're talking about plot, I'm right there with you, critics. When you're talking about the visuals, good for them for doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like yeah. you can still see this movie and it has a unique signature, unlike anything yes. that's ever been done bef- before or since. 100%. Correct. Correct. Agreed. Correct. Yes, absolutely. And that was something that like I kind of latched on with this viewing. I'll get more into more detail as we go a little later. But yeah, that was it definitely has a very unique uh, visual style. Yes. So when the Disney Channel launched on April 18th of 1983, Tron was its first feature film shown in the evening. Oh, just so you know that. And in 2010, (laughs) the Boston Globe named Tron as one of the top 20 cult films in history. And Pixar's. Pixar's John Lasseter has said that without Tron, there would be no Toy Story. Wow. I can so also see go. that argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I got, gang. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna take us into the waters of, of plot here. <laughs> um, let's see if we come out the other side here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. So we begin this movie with the Manish Tana. Uh, where we ask, and in this case, we emphatically ask, why does this movie <laughs> start where it starts? Um, it, An endless array, array Okay, of so where does it begin? So after we see the credits, uh, we, 
to guys, I may get stuff wrong here, but as I recall, this movie begins with us in an arcade watching who I assume to be Flynn. We don't really get a good shot of him playing a video game. Um, and that's where we begin before we cut away completely from that locale uh, to two other characters um we could yes. we, we end up in sort of like a corporate space yes. um with with alan uh alan bradley and and laura baines and uh okay so so already within the first <laughs> two minutes of this movie i am at a loss of how we connect these things why did we start with this arcade and why are we now in a corporation and and the only thing drawing a line between these scenes for me is that they're in the same movie uh well no, we... you're you're right like it's so i i have a note about that in in my little when i was watching it um so i actually thought it was really fat like maybe do not mistake what I'm about to say um, for saying it's a good decision to do this. Sure. But <laughs> I thought it was very interesting and ballsy in, in uh, jumping into the computer slash video game world as soon as they did. And like right away, this does not feel like your typical Disney film because we enter this new alien world um, and not only are we in this new world, but like, it's almost like this, this religious discussion. It's mm -hmm. this guy talking about his belief systems and like, and his belief in the users. And it has this like philosophical kind of like jargon and like mm -hmm. feeling. And like, I was just like, kind of, I was like, what? That's, that's a very interesting place to start for a Disney movie in particular. Um, but yeah, there's like no connection between that and the following scene. Um, mm -hmm. it, the connection will come later and you'll realize how they're connected and what's going on. But no, you're, you're absolutely right in that like jumping the transition from one scene to another is incredibly jarring and weird. They try to link it by having the overnight overhead shot or the, the nighttime overhead shot of mm -hmm. the helicopter. And it's got like the neon lights and stuff on it. So it's mm -hmm. like visually matching. Um, but like, yeah, it's kind of odd. And I'm, I'm wondering if almost the movie would work better if we were first introduced to the real world element and then went into it, uh, the video game world. Yeah. There and I think, I think they're trying to do that, Brad, because they, they think they're doing that anyway. They think, because the first thing we do is we see, we see Flynn's and we see someone put a quarter in the slot and we're sort of led to believe that the master control program is somehow connected to these individual video games as well, that there's this giant supercomputer maybe that's trying to take over the world. At least that's what I right. gathered, right? Yeah, <laughs> and essentially, that, <laughs> yeah. But and, and and maybe that's maybe that's true. But uh, I feel like if the movie had started with, you know, those like with the master control program with like the alternate universe, right? And something, you know, we see kind of the problem there. And then we get the contrasting establishment shot of the good time at Flynn's exterior, then Flynn's interior, and then Flynn trying to hack his way into the master control program to solve a problem. 
right? right. That could be yeah. more interesting. I think I think this movie said I think the editing is you know, I think the elements are there. I just I would have I would have done this differently, I think. All right. We definitely <laughs> all would it. have done this differently. So here's my answer. <laughs> For the money, nice. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> yes, that's what you're here for. That's but that right. is not my prime directive. <laughs> I'm here to balance out your niceness. Um, but I'm going to reference this is going to be another movie where my go to reference is going to be The Wizard of Oz for this and for a number of other reasons. Mm-hmm. I feel like we open with this arcade setting because someone looked at this movie and said, it's going to take us too long to deliver the good stuff. We need to show them some of the good stuff that they're going to see later on in the movie because we are about to give them an experience of a half hour of corporate espionage intrigue um, <laughs> from the point of view of executives. And and we need we need to give them a little taste. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that little taste is so confusing that I don't know what to do with it. I In think fact, that opening I think that opening scene is almost like viewed uh as like an artifact on its own where it's like it's almost like here is a representation of the journey you're about to see miniaturized yes. and just shown as like a snippet like you know what I mean it's it's like it's an opening theme quote unquote but it's not actually like talking about the theme of like the plot, it's just more of like the general like vibe you're gonna get later. In it's the almost movie. like a preview to the film. Oh, we're gonna watch yes. the preview, and yes. then here comes the helicopter, right? Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way yeah. to put it, Andy. Like it should have been running during the the, the opening opening <laughs> credits entirely, and not yeah. part of the movie proper. Right. I think I think Probably, that's fair. yeah. Yeah. All right. I I need to get us. I'm I'm gonna be our sharpa up up the mountain here of plot. <laughs> Uh, all right just one one real quickly larry like instead of waiting for our protagonist problems segment i think we need to say from the outset that we're going to be talking about protagonist problems throughout this entire exploration (laughs) oh it's so true that's so true yeah if we take time out for that we'll never get through this so yes yes. and and the wizard of oz uh, okay wizard of oz stuff i I may have to bring up periodically please this movie this movie as I recall, but Wikipedia disagrees, really opens on Alan Bradley, who is a programmer working for Encom. And he has a programmer girlfriend uh, or engineer or something along those lines named Laura Baines. uh, And they're upset because suddenly they've lost access to a level of file security at their corporation. That's which correct, yeah. prevents them, I guess, from doing their job. And nobody likes to have their security clearances downgraded. They, I don't know if we're supposed to say that's the inciting incident of the movie that we watch them have their security clearances downgraded. It may be, but I'm going to say we, we look a little further for it. Yeah. They go yes. and confront... Dillinger, who is the head of the company, who tells them, yeah, we downgraded your security privileges. It's temporary. Someone's been trying to hack us. Mm -hmm. But when they leave, instead of following them, 
we stay in the office with Dillinger and a mysterious voice, which is actually the master control program uh, that this corporation uses as like its main engine for mm -hmm. its com uh, yeah, uh, you know, I whatever know. it does it's it's <laughs> it's an important computer program it's like what quicken is to the accounting world um, yeah you there know you go. yeah so the mcp talks to dillinger and says dillinger i'm not really happy with how you're handling the fact that people are a are are questioning the the decisions I, he, and the master control program's not happy with dillinger um, it kind of feels like the master control program is in charge and Dillinger mm -hmm. is yes. his his henchman. Wacky. Seems right. The master control program talks about how he's been absorbing more and more programs and he's gotten bored with getting other corporate programs. Now he wants to start going after government programs. The that Pentagon, feels, right? The Pentagon. Yes. He it mentions feels, Moscow it, and London. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. feels like the plot of some other movie because I don't know that we ever circle around <laughs> back to there again. Oh, um, no. Don't think about it. Just <laughs> uh, and then we go back to our engineers and they're like, huh, I wasn't satisfied with this conversation. And, the, and Alan's girlfriend, Laura, says, you know what? I think the person who is trying to hack the corporation is my ex-boyfriend, Flynn. <laughs> and we should warn him that he should stop hacking because they're going to catch him. And yep. Alan says, okay, let's go do that. He and says, then wow, they you go really and... jumped through a hoop on that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, like maybe that's something she could do on her own and not bring her ex to meet her 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 current to meet her ex, but fine. So right. they go to do that. This is the first twenty seven minutes of the movie. Yes, mm -hmm. it's what so I've just long. described. Mm -hmm. it's and it so is not. Long. And it is not like I have stripped down how exciting it is. <laughs> I think I've, I think I've fairly represented. Uh, well, oh no, but hold on. There's one detail you need to pick up on. Oh, which is please. the fact that um now the actor who plays what's what's the, the character's name, the guy um that's dating uh Flynn's ex now. Alan um, Bradley Alan, played by Tron, Bruce. Tron right? Yeah. Okay, he yeah. will be so No, he, he's not Tron, he same actor. Correct, correct. He will be Tron. Is yes. he is the same actor that plays Tron. And I just want to point out right now how <laughs> awful <laughs> Of an actor he is in these <laughs> opening scenes. He he pro he may be a decent enough like heroic man, Tron, without emotion, just this kind of hero. But when he has to be a regular human being, it is it is so bad his okay, delivery no, no, of these no. opening so, lines. So Brett, Brett, he's an engineer, okay? <laughs> And oh, I, oh, I, oh I, I, I am I am married to an engineer and I have been to parties with engineers and I can tell you he's spot on. <laughs> like, I'm, uh, I almost just spit out my water. I, I'm gonna I'm also gonna interject here. You know, um I don't know that anyone is gonna make these scenes come alive because it is unclear as written what he actually wants. It yeah. feels like he wants his security privileges back. It also feels like he's going to get them back at some yeah. point, just not right now while while the MCP is doing whatever it is that he's doing. Right. 
because right. um, his security program is called Tron, and it's like, oh no, my <laughs> thing won't work. But there's the also sh- that stuff that he brings up how Tron is going to make certain elements of Master Control obsolete. And I feel like that, like whoever wrote it was like, aha, there it is, like the little the smoking gun kind of thing. But like no one cares because but, of but how it's thing- explained. But the thing I want to say here is the stakes for him mm-hmm. are the equivalent of the day, like I was unable to unlock my office door, and they told <laughs> me that the security guard who had the key to my door. It would take a couple of hours for him to come by because something else was going on on campus. Mm-hmm. And the dr- the Fair dramatic enough. of question of can I wait two hours for the door to be unlocked <laughs> is not is not a thrilling uh, introduction. Right. In wait, fact, hold on. Are you sure that that security guard wasn't hunting your friend down because you knew deep down in your heart your best friend was hacking into your school's security system? That's I, why. I mean, I mean, sure. I, that happens I mean, every day. So, but but if I can just if I can just in fact the real problem here is I'm keying into this movie and I think the main character of this movie is Alan Bradley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm following mm-hmm. him for most of these scenes. Right. He is not our protagonist. No, no he's not. Flynn doesn't no. show up until like 20, 15, 20 minutes into it. I, right. Yeah. I'm not even sure yeah. Flynn is our protagonist. I'm not sure anybody is. Well, I mean, the movie is set up with Flynn as the antagonist, right? Not the protagonist. He's set there, up as, you know, how Disney, we've talked about this a million times on this program, but, you know, you'll get these moments where you meet the antagonist, and then we get this sort of contrast between the, the world of the antagonist set up on the front end, contrast, we've got this kind of mild-mannered person, right? And how how this is set up is we have... Flynn, who's hacking into something, and then we have, get me Dillinger! So I'm like, oh, Dillinger's the protagonist. Dillinger is not the protagonist. Dillinger is another antagonist. And and right. then we sort of get to Laura and Alan and Dr. Gibbs, as they all talk about, spend a whole lot of time at the laser, talking about what's all going to happen and what's been happening and talk, 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 right? Right, all right. right. Guys, so. this is going to end up being a six-hour episode, so I'm going to move <laughs> us forward a little bit. Okay, cool, cool. But but what I, what I do need to say here is it feels still, even when we meet Flynn, like Alan is the main character because there's a love triangle. It's mm-hmm. clear Flynn yeah. is not really over Laura. It's not clear that Laura is completely over Flynn. And we've been following Alan for this whole time. So when Andy says that when Flynn appears, she thinks he's the antagonist in a love triangle, that that is exactly how he's presented. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still haven't gotten to our inciting incident. We're a half hour in. A bunch of stuff has happened, but (laughs) none of it has actually launched our movie to start. It's just we're waiting for the doors to get unlocked. As it turns out, and and I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna make a caveat here. I'm just gonna tell you what I think the inciting incident is, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Flynn, uh, at at this company that does engineering stuff, they've made a major breakthrough uh, in terms of being able to digitize items, uh, a la Willy Wonka's Mike TV technology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and and bring it in to the digital world, uh, yeah. which feels like that could be a whole movie in and of itself. Yes. Right. But yeah. fine. 
And Flynn gets digitized and brought into the world of Tron. And I'm going to say that's the inciting incident. It's somewhere around minute 35, mm -hmm. uh, which is a long ways to go. But the, with the movie, what we bought our ticket for was the world of Tron. And we don't get there until 35 minutes in. Uh, and and we take the we take the slow road there. Does any <laughs> I don't know that I'm right. So if you guys have mm -hmm. a different answer for me about what the inciting incident for this movie is, I'm open to it. So I'm up with the, actually, I'm, I'm down with the no, Wonka vision. I'm down with the Wonka vision, and I think okay. it's interesting because that um, I call it the Wonka vision. Sorry. <laughs> so when he gets zapped by the laser, You're right, right, he's the orange, right? When Flynn is the orange, so. Mm -hmm. um, Wizard of Oz, Larry, you mentioned that is sort of similar. Yes. In that we don't really get to Oz until about the end of Act One. And I kind of think this is how they're setting it up similarly. So here is the divergence. You know? Yeah. In Wizard of Oz, we're watching Dorothy and then she goes to Oz. In Tron, we're watching stage hand, sta ranch hand number two of three walk around Kansas, and then the movie shifts to Dar. Like he watches from the distance as Dorothy goes into the house, and the house yes. gets pulled up in a cyclone, and then we follow Dorothy for the rest of the movie. Right. Uh, it it is a failure to establish who your story is about from the beginning, and. Right. That's why I, I have trouble. But when but, Flynn gets so, zapped in there, I think immediately, okay, this is Flynn's journey. Yeah, yes. Once so, that happens, he's got the baton. Brett, what have you yep. got? Okay, so I I actually had a very long conversation with my roommate about this because we had a hard time finding an exciting <laughs> incident as well. I think Flynn getting zapped is actually the break into two. And even though it's still late... I think the inciting incident is the meeting when when they arrive with Flynn and they come up together as a group with the decision to go in and hack it that night. Because that is up until that point, Flynn is doing his own thing. He's hacking. That's his mm -hmm. that's his normal world is him hacking. But what he doesn't know is that they're on to him. And so when someone comes to him with this like uh, this information and then a plan forms i think that is like that's his call to adventure that's his call to like okay we're gonna go and do this and then the debate is what follows the actual break-in um and everything because it's not like about him making the decision the debate isn't about him making the decision to go on the adventure the debate in this case is how he gets to the new world. So the, the inciting incident is like, this is the, he has been offered the thing that will send him to the new world. Then watching him get to the new world. And then once he's there, it's the break into two. Cause I feel like, I feel like um, this movie is a golden fleece film. And I think that's part of why it has such a weird and awkward opening because even though Jeff, Bridges character is and at the same time is not the main character he's not the main character in terms of like our original hero he is like he is the 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 thing that they're searching he's the grail of the movie because he arrives in the world and he is the quote-unquote savior 
that is supposed mm-hmm. to save everyone. He is like who they worship. He's the user. And like, ah. then he, he ends up picking up his disciples and on, like on the way on their journey to the, to whatever he needs to do kind of thing. Cause he needs to interact with something somehow. And it's mm-hmm. like, so I feel like it's a journey up the mountain, like kind of movie. And so I, like fair, the exciting incident is like, how do we get him to that mountain? In a way, I, I I don't think we're far apart in terms of distance cinematically, though. I think I think we're a few minutes no, from each yeah, other here. It's only it's only a few minutes before it's still like nearly a half an hour into the movie, which is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you could say you could say when they're all at the apartment and they go and and when uh, Alan Bradley and Doctor Baines, Laura Baines, go to Flynn's apartment, it's mm-hmm. almost like that's the call, right? Yeah. Yeah, when they arrive so that, and start talking to him, I think that's the... Yeah, and then Flynn gives us, a, like, I don't know, like a five-minute explanation as to, oh, here's yeah. what happened three years ago, and this is what here's happened now. Here's the exposition and, dump, just so you know yeah, my motivations. Right. right. All right, right. so I, I need to, I need again, we, we've got more mountain to climb, too. So, <laughs> okay, cool. Rising action. So we witnessed the world of... Um, I'm going to call it the world of Tron, although it's not really yeah. called that, um, through the eyes of Flynn. And we realize that there's a few things going on. It's pretty much half Big Brother um, 1984. Uh, the master control program is 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 demanding that everybody obey him and deny the existence of users, despite the fact that everybody does seem to know that they were programmed by users. Right. Uh, but, but you know, it's a way of him gaining a, fa- a fascistic control over the other programs in that world. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's yeah. also half kind of like Roman Colosseum slash Hunger Games, the programs that have not been assimilated by the, um, the master control program are forced to play <laughs> are forced to play games against one another. And yeah. uh we meet Flynn meets a couple of other programs in the game. He meets Tron and Tron looks exactly like Alan Bradley because oh. Tron was programmed by Alan Bradley and in fact everybody we meet um in the world of Tron is also played by someone who was playing a performer, one of the programmers, the users in the real world. So there's the evil Sark, who is like the MCP's number two. Uh, he is also played by the same actor who played Dillinger. Um, there and so he meets Tron and he meets Ram, and the three of them kind of become buddies. And Flynn is good at the games, although I would like to point out. That while I am good at video games, if you put me in them and I had to do the things for real, I would die immediately. I am, I am great at Super Mario Brothers, but if you the first time I have to jump a pit, I'm just gonna stand at that edge of the pit in existential despair uh, and realize like that's how I'm gonna die. I'm not going to make it over the first pit. But he's good at it, and ostensibly we're supposed to think he's good at it because he made these games. He's the programmer Uh who created these games. These games were stolen by Dillinger, and these video games allowed Dillinger to create a company that is now, like, the biggest tech company in the world. So uh, he's good at it, and and he, Tron, and Ram kind of become buddies, and then the movie sort of becomes a breakout movie. 
Yeah. Um, they're trying to escape. They want to. Uh, I'm so I'm so confused. So I'm gonna just give you the things that I noticed. Tron <laughs> gets separated from Flynn and Ram, and uh -huh. hooks up with um, Yori. Yori is a program who was created by Laura Baines's character. And I guess because these programs were created by people who fell in love, they're also sort of romantically linked. Found by that logic. Um, which also, also engineers apparently can only create one program. Right. There should, you don't yes. have like multiple Laura Baines. Yeah. You don't have like multiple Alan right. Bradleys. Yeah. So is, is what it is, is what it is. At the same time, Flynn and Ram get into some trouble with some, some bad programs uh, Ram gets blasted and derezzed, uh, so he dies, um, and Flynn uh, realizes because he's a programmer, he has some power here to reconfigure code that nobody else really has, because that, that's like the power you get when you're a programmer who's been sent into a program. Uh, you, can, you can manipulate some stuff on the... On the fly and he creates his own like he reconfigures a ship for him to fly around in and then they hook up again and now Flynn is once again in a love triangle because he's very attracted to yori who looks like laura but once again even in this digital world he is the third wheel i guess um but whatever they decide to go <laughs> they decide to go see the wizard Yes, um, the wizard. Um, in the hopes the of getting the yes, the, uh, who is called Dumont. He's not a wizard, but he's like he's like, I mean, he's literally he's the old man world. on the mountain. Uh, exactly. We yep. we we have met previously mm -hmm. in the original world an old man scientist who um, is getting kicked out of the company by Dillinger. This is clearly a program he made, um, and he's wearing the greatest hat. In cinematic history. Oh, oh, <laughs> for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know why so they don't. Funny. I don't know why they don't sell those hats at oh. Disney. I would ab forget the Mickey I ears. I want to wear one. that. I want. I, I want Dumont that hat. as like a picture, like with it, where I can put my face in. I want to get in that suit <laughs> of the hat and get my photo taken. It's oh my gosh, I love it. It's All so right. terrible. And then, if I'm not mistaken, and guys, I just watched this movie. They, it feels to me like there is a series of they're captured, they're not captured, they're captured, they're not captured, they're about to be captured, they're not about to be captured, they're about to be destroyed, they're not going to be destroyed. Um, may, maybe I just kept pushing rewind, but that's how it <laughs> felt to me. Mm -hmm. What is the climax of this movie? Well... Um, it's when Jeff Bridges, our main character... Um, decides to do the side story while he lets Tron take over the more exciting actiony bits and that's it like no for real like it's it's like the movie like in that in that last act that movie like switches main characters again, again? it's interesting yeah. Flynn is that's why i think Flynn is less of a character and more of a like uh, a macguffin for that movie because he is suddenly the one who can control everything in that mm -hmm. universe. And he somehow, I, I do, do not understand how he does it, but he diverts like a laser beam and stuff. 
I guess. Mm. And like, he needs to do something to, cl- to not clue, um, uh, to master controller and mm-hmm. stuff in order to get Tron to like throw the frisbee in there. Well, yeah, he, like, he jumps into the master control beam yeah, and then Alan but, or Tron gets the disc in, but mm-hmm. then Flynn kisses Laura right before that right. happens and tells her, don't worry. Flynn right, kisses yeah, Yori, not Laura. Yori, sorry, oh, yeah, Yori. Yeah. And then everything explodes. Which in and her then, view is basically like kissing a god because he's a user. Right. <laughs> And I then think, all, I think he is Prometheus the... giving her the gift of making out because then she proceeds <laughs> to kiss Tron, right. having learned how to do it from Flynn. Flynn just <laughs> cannot catch a break here. He right. is just so, so he, then but all... no, he he definitely takes the backseat in terms of the forward action in that last act. Like it's yeah. all Tron attacking Sarka, Tron attacking um Master Controller, and then Jeff. Kisses the girl and then jumps into his head and that's it. Yeah, and so if he can't, but then all the IO towers light up. I'm not sure why that matters. Uh, everything explodes, of course. And then, you know, he says to all her, the- like, and, and she, uh, Yor- Yori says to Tron, you know, he saved us and this is how he did it. Yes. Yeah. And so, so actually Flynn's a good guy. Right. But it's not Bradley... And Baines, out Laura Baines talking, it's Tron and Yori talking, right? Yeah. It it I mean the the problem I mean, <laughs> it is this is a knot. This is a knot, and we're not gonna untangle it. Mm, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you mm. straight here. But, I think this but, is a knot that's been like soaked in a bucket and uh, stitched but, together just, and re-knotted and then heat dried and then soaked again. <laughs> yeah. We're almost yeah. we're almost down the mountain. All right. So I, let, let me let me get us down. Uh, so so the climax is this big confrontation. You're right. It's a relay race. Tron is now our main character fighting those villains. Uh, Tron and Flynn in their respective stories cause the end of the master control program's reign. Uh, Flynn is spit back out into the real world. The moment he does that, uh, a piece of paper prints out proving <laughs> that that he actually (laughs) wrote the computer programs on which this engineering company that has figured out how to digitize fruit um, (laughs) is based on. Because, Larry, as you know, know, there isn't a single other person that could ever have printed out those words on any other sheet of paper. No, no, that that piece of paper is is the Constitution. It is the it is a, it's the Magna Carta. It it just hey man, he's finally acknowledged as a writer, which is really what all three of us want. Look, right? look, and Dillinger respects the heck out of that piece of paper because he doesn't he does. shred it. He's like the printer. It got printed out of the printer. What am I going to do? There's no solving this problem. It's in print. <laughs> so we see Dillinger sit back into his chair, which means, of course, that he's defeated. <laughs> Uh, we later on find out that through through the law oh. of um, finders keepers, Flynn is now the CEO of Encom. Even though he did not work for this company officially, right. he's now in charge and he's the boss. And then we cut to a we cut to a view of the city and we see like cars and lights in the city, and we're meant to question. Or maybe we 
in the internet because this looks somewhat similar to what we saw what in the world of Tron. And, and maybe it's us in Plato's cave. Uh, maybe we're in the shadows. Maybe there are. Maybe we're all programs, and maybe there are users, and and uh, cut to black. I don't know that they were supposed to be oh thinking gosh. about that, but but I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but but my thought was like how abrupt that ending is. It's like he's defeated and CEO, and like like the studio is just like end it, just end it, just end it. It doesn't. It's over. It's not too long. It's over. All right. But then they all, the three of them all hug each other like, yay. And I'm like, okay. It's an open relationship. It's an open relationship. That's, <laughs> that was my first thought. I didn't, I mean, this is a family program, but that was my first thought. This, this love triangle does not get properly resolved. And I, and I do not get the sense that Flynn is over Laura. I don't know that Laura, Laura's not been in the movie. So if she was, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the stakes aren't about these relationships. And these are mm -mm. our main characters and arguably the most important relationships we could be dealing with. And the movie does not care what we think <laughs> happens from this point on. Right. Uh, because it's uh, And that my friends, is kind of the plot to Tron. That is the best that we can hope to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. So nor so normally in this program, we go through each of the characters and we talk about each of their strengths and weaknesses and their arcs and those kinds of things. And I'm going to be honest with you, fellas, like I really struggled with that because, again, I'm not really sure who we should be watching and what their journey is. And I think instead of going character by character, maybe we can have that discussion. Like we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but if, well, if yeah, I, that's, I, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. Like there's no real way to discuss character because no one really has like an arc. They are just there <laughs> to fulfill their kind of role. And so, like, I don't care. I mean, that's, that's horrible to say, but like with Flynn, I don't care. Like, I literally have nothing to like, this guy is hacking into a system. He hasn't gotten credit for something. He has no real backstory. He's been right. jilted by the man, but he's got this thriving little video game company and he seems pretty happy, like, you know, beating world records or whatever. So like, why is this such a big problem and why does he continue to because try to hack into the system? Because the film is telling us it is, Andy. It says yeah. it's a problem. Well, <laughs> but that's it. Like, it do I don't feel it. There's no, right. like, there's no yeah. heart tug that makes me think, man, this guy's really been jilted. So, so, so that's why, that's why I think this movie is like, it's a concept movie. That's all it is. It is there to present this, like, and th that I think that's how they, that's how and why they wrote it a certain way, because it's all about the wow, pop, and dazzle of this video game world and this weird philosophical, the users, the programs theme. So mm -hmm. that's like, instead of actually building an emotional arc, I think they took the, like, the they took this concept in this world and then they plopped in plot points from the hero's journey and specifically um the climbing of the, the up the mountain type storyline in that fantasy type world because we see we get the old man on the mountain 
Flynn is arguably the deity. And then Tron, we, we even brought up how it's these Roman Colosseums with these games, and Tron mm-hmm. is like the hero of the games, and he has this belief in the users. He is like a Hercules. He is a um, Odysseus. He is a oh, Brad Pitt's character from Troy. Um, or Achilles. Yeah, he's Achilles. Like, he's this kind of I, uh, like, like Greek mythical hero that then meets his god and has to go on an adventure with his with this deity. And mm-hmm. so, like, I think I think that was what they were going for. And yeah. it doesn't all work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really click because there isn't an emotional connection. Like, they were so focused on doing this kind of, like, Golden Fleece journey inside a video game world that they forgot everything else. So I'm going to I'm going to take a stab at Flynn if you don't mind cuz I sure. I think I can make sense of what his arc is supposed to be and I can tell you why it doesn't work cuz they've given him two separate arcs that are competing for with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. So on the one hand, Flynn is this guy who was wronged. He was wronged by Dillinger and he was robbed. Like he should have made his fortune on these video games that he made. Uh, and right. the fact he is arrested in development at that moment. Ever since he's been betrayed, he's been unable to move forward with his life. He is obsessed yeah. with undoing this thing that was done to him. And it has come at a cost. The reason that Laura broke up with him is this dude could not get over the profound betrayal that he experienced. And uh, dating tip for those of you, in, who, uh, our listeners who, who tune in for our relationship <laughs> advice. Um, it is not fun to be in a relationship with someone who is primarily motivated with a, by a grudge that they cannot get over. Amen. So she left. So she left him. It has cost him everything. So his arc, therefore, should be, yes, he needs to get justice, but also in the course of getting justice, he also needs to get over it. He needs to let go of the anger. He, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what his arc should be. He needs to right. let go of his anger, and regardless of the results of whether he succeeds or loses, we should get the sense that finally he is no longer arrested and will progress as a human being. Mm-hmm. However, right. yeah. they have married this to the idea that he is Cyber Jesus. He is digitized into the internet. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and it is it is the equivalent of the Messiah. I mean, Brett Brett called him a savior earlier, but like they speak of the users as mythological gods, and he is a user who has descended from on high, and he mm-hmm. performs miracles in this mm-hmm. realm. He speaks yep. about not listening to the false prophets of yep. like the master control program and Sark. He inspires the common people of the world of Tron to fight against a despotic order. And, you know, he even at one point dies and comes back to life. He's shot. Yep. They thought he was going to de-res 
and he is restored. He, it is very much, he has come down from heaven and all of them are redeemed through his actions. But those two character concepts are very difficult to marry. I don't want to watch a movie about what if Jesus was pissed about something that happened five years ago and never got <laughs> over it. It is, it is not, it is, I don't want to know what Jesus is like if he's got a big grudge that he yeah, just, that it. cost him his personal relationships. Yep, that's he is, it. You, you can't marry those things. No, no. They try. No, they do. And, and again, the movie is called Tron. 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 It is not called Flynn. Flynn. It is not called Clue, right? Um. Yeah. And so my question continually remains, why do you take the engineer who has, as as Brett said, is pretty flat and doesn't have a whole lot to bring to the table and and say that's his story? Right. Uh, this yes. story is about Flint. This, is, this, yes. this story in that arc, in that world, as Larry set it up here, is about Flynn letting go of you know, of his angst, of his hurt, of his pain, and realizing he does have power, he does have influence, and he can he can let go and be the guy, you know, he can just be okay with it. But then he's CEO. It's so weird. Yeah, so it's weird. an odd combo so, of yeah, things. Here's what I'm wondering. The way this movie is structured... I really do believe Alan Bradley is meant to be our protagonist and so that the movie would be much cleaner if it was like this. Alan Bradley is our protagonist. Mm -hmm. He in the in when he is tricked by Flynn into trying to do this thing to break into the company and Flynn mm -hmm. Digitizes Bradley and sends him into the world of Tron because Flynn wants to get back with his girlfriend Laura, and Alan is in the way. And then it's a personal story. He comes to this other world, and then Alan should be take on the name of Tron because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's a user. And we get yeah. a neat story where he's fighting digital foes, but he's fighting to get back to the real world because there was an attempt to murder him and his girlfriend is in danger. It, it mm -hmm. is a, such a cleaner story. You can still yeah. ha have all of the set pieces. And you don't, at the end, you don't want Flynn sacrificing himself. You want Tron sacrificing himself. Right. Right. You Tron want is the more to, perfect character. Yes, yeah. It it makes it yeah, just it's I'm also um it also is like almost <sighs> fulfilling his own like purpose. Because you have yeah. that whole bit at the beginning where it's like Tron is the security program. Tron will fix Master Controller or he'll take certain things off of Master Controller's plate and stuff. So then if you have Tron, it's like, oh, this is why I was created. To stop mm -hmm. master controller, right? Like, yeah, or to or to put it, or be a governor to master controller, or to something. I mean, because thematically, we're talking about freedom versus fascism, right? We're yes, talking yeah. about the the ability for a user to go in and make changes 
to uh, enjoy the environment, to try things, but we, you know, we've got this sort of totalitarian regime that's in charge. Right. Right. So thematically, it would make sense then for Tron to be that hero and to be that freedom fighter who then, I mean, and I just set it up like now I'm thinking about Star Wars, right? It, it, but it would make sense. Yeah. And maybe no, it'd be a much cleaner story. You're, like, you're both absolutely right that that's, that's the trajectory it should have taken. Mm-hmm. But like they were like, oh, well, we hired Jeff Bridges as this character, so he should be the main character because he's more bankable. Can, can I uh-huh. tell you who my who it's... my favorite character in this in this movie is? You will be surprised. Sure. My okay. favorite Surpri- character su- in this us. in this movie is the Master Control Program. <laughs> not, not not surprising. You're, but go on, I, tell us I, why. I, you're not surprised. I I, not. I thought you would be. I think the Master Control they, Program is awesome. <laughs> I think they did a really good job of seeding what he is, what it is, mm-hmm. and why it does what it does. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so he started off as a chess program, and one of right. the things one of the things that the Master Control Program is all about is transcending his program to become something bigger. He talks mm-hmm. about how he started off as a simple chess program, and he worked his way up. Uh, absorbing more and more until he became this this almost like dark god figure in the cyber space. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when Sark is like, why don't you just destroy Flynn? Why are we playing games with him? It's because at its core, the Master He's Control program, program is still a chess program. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. He was always playing against Flynn, if he just kills Flynn, he's not playing a game with him. And yeah, right. uh, for all of his talk about having transcended his core programming, he mm-hmm. has it. He may have corrupted it, he may have expanded its sights, but he mm-hmm. cannot overwrite his flaw, which is his competitive nature and his desire to win. He mm-hmm. talks about how he's just getting bored going up against the point. He's gotten so powerful that no one can challenge him. That's why he wants to go against the Pentagon. He's bored doing the corporate thing. It's again, his core, his core programming is to seek out games, to play games. And a game that you win immediately isn't a game. It's not worth playing. And right. I think, I think in a way, we could have a fun conversation comparing the master control program. Uh, to the com- to the computer from um, what what's the movie Matthew Broderick War Games from War oh, Games yeah. right? Yep. Uh, yeah. There, there's, or there's Hal or Hal from two thousand one yes. right? Yep. They're all in conversation with each other, and I mm-hmm. I think there's a movie yeah. where a character like this could really shine if it was in a movie that was not like easily ninety five percent confusing. <laughs> Let's talk about themes. We've talked a little bit about, um, I said, freedom versus fascism. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? What other things do we see? Well, there's I mean, uh, definitely some religious and spiritual themes um, and themes of like making your own destiny and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely a lot of religious iconography and uh, like thematic mirroring with that, with the users being like, like uh, Larry and I have said, users being likened to deities and, and beings from the heavens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like an, it's a fascinating uh, conversation to have. 
Um, this movie just doesn't really have it <laughs> all the way. It like it's tries, a, it like brings it up, and then it's like, oh, wouldn't, isn't this a neat thing to bring up? All right, well, we're not going to talk about it. I just I wanted to know if you thought that was an interesting thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think this movie is theme adjacent, but it doesn't have a theme, and I think that really is the problem here. Mm. Interesting. Uh, um, so, again, I'm going to go back to The Wizard of Oz, uh, which is... Which is, I really think they're borrowing structure from The Wizard of Oz. They're just not doing it. They're not doing it well. Dorothy go- Dorothy has a view of the world as a character. She she is passive. Her only thought when she has a conflict with with um, you know the, the the woman who wants to kill Toto is uh, Miss Gulch is she has to run away. It's her mm-hmm. only go to power move. Trouble comes. Dorothy runs. She goes to Oz, and everyone she meets there is a version of themselves. They all have flaws that they need to work on, and they all have strengths that they didn't think they had that become revealed over the course of the journey. And then she goes back to Kansas and arguably is a stronger, better person for having gone on this journey. Mm -hmm. That's Dorothy's arc. That should be whoever our main character is. Their arc over the course of their time in in Tron. So if let's say Flynn is our main character, what he I, I talked about how he needs to get rid of his anger. He also, if he wants to be in love with Laura, he needs to address the flaws that cause their relationship to fail and work on them. And when he comes right. out the other side, he should not be the same jerk he was when he went in. And Correct. she should immediately notice yeah. the change in him. But because he, this movie treats mm-hmm. everything that happens to him as a change in circumstance, but not a change in psyche, not a change in character. It's not tracking an arc right. here. Yeah. It's almost, it's theme adjacent, but it just, it just doesn't land on anything. Yeah. Your main character needs to grow and change. It can't just be circumstance, 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 circumstance. They need to exit the movie differently than how they entered it. And mm-hmm. Flynn doesn't, and Tron doesn't, and Bradley, like, disappears from the movie. Like, who, yeah. who is yeah. changed? I, I would argue that one of the reasons this is theme adjacent is because of the heavy exposition on the front end. Mm-hmm. If we saw things happen, if we saw the flaws, if we saw the needs, if we saw the wants, and we saw people being disappointed or hurt or rejected, instead of just typing on a screen, which by the way, like, like if you're going to type on a screen, type quick. That should not be a minute long sequence. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like uh, I think I think that's it. it. It's the exposition that kills that. You could have set that up and paid that off, but there's there are payoffs at the end. I think there are payoffs, but boy, there's no setup. Even I wanna, with all that talky talky exposition. And I want to throw out something because your your talk of exposition reminded me of a point we talked about in pre-production, which is sometimes when we're doing movies, we're like, no one put any thought into the world building, why things happen the way they happen, why the w- world is. I feel mm-hmm. like this movie has the opposite problem. Yes, I feel 100%. like this this movie began as an like an eight hundred page document 
detailing the world of Tron, how things work, how programs work, how they're related to users, how the master control program evolved over time, uh, what resing is, what de-resing is, the visual designs, what it means to have blue lights as opposed to having red lights. I think all of that work was done and it was too much work to fit in a single movie. And I so agree. then the only way to show it is these long monologues that still don't cover half of what they're doing. The fact that we have this movie and we're focused on this movie has two things. It has the world of Tron and it's got this digitizing technology. And the fact that we can't spend more than two seconds on the digitizing technology, which which we don't have in our world mm -hmm. and would change everything and is is only there to get Flynn in. Yeah. It's yep. like, it's like everything need, we, we, we need more time. It just cannot be a 90 minute movie. And if it can't be a 90 minute movie, you need to, you need to kill some of this exposition. You need to simplify it, get us to a story we can follow in 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah I agree. I actually ha had a very similar conversation with my roommate when we watched it, where I was like, this feels like it was like a much larger, much more serious uh, science fiction, like adventure, like was sprawling. Because like, who designed this, this computer world? Why does a virtual world have mountains and seas? Like, right. what? Like, I want to know about that. And there's all these visuals that like, it's gorgeous to look at that. Like you said, there are so many different in world, like connections and 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 relationships and ideas and stuff happening and but you don't really get to spend a whole lot of time there because you know now it's like a quirky adventure with uh you know robin williams or not robin williams oh man that would have been insane. jeff bridges <laughs> jeff bridges, jeff bridges right. yeah which uh, i actually like thinking about it with robin williams i that's like that's fascinating because you can definitely tell that like they're not taking Tron too seriously. That's one of the things mm -hmm. that I actually really enjoyed about the movie. It had this very like Flash Gordon like vibe to it, mm -hmm. where like mm -hmm. especially with like the costumes and the designs of the sets, where it's like it's visually stunning, but at the same time you can tell it's so simple and cheap, mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. it walks that fine line of like just corny enough. And, like, clearly Jeff Bridges knows what kind of movie he's in. Like, the film doesn't take itself seriously. And I think right. that is one of the few things that, like, saves it from being a total disaster. Because if you did take this sort of thing seriously, I don't know if we would, like, could buy it. And that's <laughs> one of, just briefly to I, I'm say, not sure that's we, one I'm of not sure we buy it anyway, but, like, yeah. Like, but so I feel like that's what happened is, like, they had this giant, massive world-building type script. Mm -hmm. And then the studio was like, this is not going to work. And so they like try to condense it and like give it a new tone. And that's like, this is what we got, you know? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Fun, fun fact. In the alternate reality in which Robin Williams plays, uh, plays Kevin Flynn in, uh, in Tron, in that same world, Jeff Bridges plays the genie in Aladdin. And that movie is dark. Um, <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Pitch time. So we have Tron. We have Tron Legacy. We have Tron the next day. We have Tron Uprising, the TV series. If you missed that, don't. Um, 
uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, various video <laughs> games. <laughs> and the Tron, what's something I'm really looking forward to is the Tron Light Cycle Power, Light Cycle Power Run Roller Coaster, um, which is coming to uh, Walt Disney World um, and the Magic Kingdom very, very soon. Uh, and the comic book, right? What do wow. we do with this material? Brett, would you like to go first? Um, No. You can. Okay. You can. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, so Tron my... on ice, right? There it is. Is that yours, Andy? <laughs> no, no, no. That's just, okay. I just, if, if you're struggling, Brett, I'll give you Tron on ice. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine. Are you ready? Uh, go ahead, I'm going to go in a very different direction with this property because, because uh, I want to. I'm going to hook this movie up with another movie and see what comes out when we when we combine them. This comes straight up from my Disney Dungeons and Dragons campaign in which I linked Tron to Wreck-It Ralph and Wreck-It Ralph ends up yep. in the Tron program and has to fight against the Master Control program. Uh, I think I think we can we can move these two things together. We can put we can take those characters, Vanellope, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, whoever, uh, Fix-It Felix, and suddenly put them in the world of Tron, which is a very serious world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we would get some good comedy. Make it, and I also, I also want to see Wreck-It Ralph in the Tron outfit, but it doesn't quite fit because it's not made for his form. <laughs> that is, that is my Tron pitch. That's great because, like, as I was watching this, I, I, like, like certain moments in that film made me go this feels almost like a like a a, a lead up to wreck it ralph or like you know a prototype almost to wreck it ralph um so that's awesome that you like those two i love it all right anybody else well, have my, a pitch? okay well mine is that master control program is back and it's all in right. the form of social media and it's starting to use social media and has figured out that it can use users to create its own content and that AI is about to take over the world and only Jeff Bridges can save us. Andy, we don't report the news. We only make pitches here. That, yeah. You're describing something that's... Oh, wait, Sorry. that was your pitch. Oh. That was my pitch. Yes. I, I thought you just found a news article and you were telling us what happened today. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. Fake news, Larry, fake news. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> All right, Brett, you got something? Okay. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I think part of the charm in this film is from the fact that it's like, it may, the world itself may be serious, but like the tone of the film and the way the characters interact is not serious. Um, and so I think taking it too seriously is a detriment. Um, mm -hmm. I have seen Tron Legacy. It was 12 years ago. But one of my issues with it was it took itself too seriously. So if I was to do a sequel, I would do a much more comedy based where you have uh, someone accidentally sent in there and it's like literally the same world, same like black light and duct tape outfits, same <laughs> like keep that like cheeky 80s-ness of it. And then you have this person who's from modern day going into this old, old program and being like, what is this garbage? And like stuck in like, oh, like kind of making fun of like how antiquated the 80s and how, how we thought everything would be neon and all these like wacky things and just kind listen, of like listen, ripping I on really that. I really wish you could see Larry hopping up and down as well. No, oh, because I, cause, Brett, I have a title for your movie. Okay. Honey, I digitized the kids. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. Pure gold. Cinematic gold. 
Call me, Disney. Call us. <laughs> we will we will write this. The three of us will absolutely write, honey. I 100%. I may have other commitments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brett and I will take it on. We'll do it. All right, Andy. Brett, thank you so, so much for coming and helping us unravel the knot. <laughs> uh, I did my wrong. best. I don't know. <laughs> well, I a, mean. It was a wild ride. I think we've probably spent more time picking apart Tron than, you know, maybe others have done or should have done on the front end. (laughs) There you go. More time than anyone should really devote to picking apart this. It's (laughs) best viewed when you just, like, don't think about it at all. (laughs) That's right. Well, thanks again for coming and being a part of our podcast we love you so Thanks much for okay. having me i always love when you guys do invite me on it's a lot of fun and i love get, awesome. catching up with you guys awesome larry what movie are we tackling next week so next week andy we are tackling one of your favorites the great mouse detective Ooh, i love it i love the great mouse detective i know well, you do i do very much all right well Friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And if you write us a review, we'd be so pleased. Uh, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 Or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. End of line. End of line.